On today's episode of the Keto Camp Podcast, we talk about the mental six-pack, creating mental wealth, the mindset. This is very, very important with Kaylor Betts. You know, I think our psychology is really primed then to actually justify with logic why we're not accomplishing our dreams rather than actually going out and stepping into the real world and doing the things that it takes and taking the responsibility that it takes to get there because those things are really scary. So we would rather point our finger and say, oh, well, it's because of this person, place and thing that I'm not where I should be rather than taking ownership and saying, I actually am the vessel to get to where I really, truly want to be. We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp Podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I wanna thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper, Ben Azadi here, the host of the Keto Camp Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. You're going to love today's episode. It is all about mindset. And we got the perfect guy to teach us all about this mental wealth. His name is Kaylor Betts. You know, what's funny is that we recorded this podcast a little over a month ago. I'm just doing the intro right now for it. And the last three days, I got to spend some time with Kaylor. So it's super cool that I waited to actually record this intro because Kaylor was visiting Miami from Canada. And he texted me and said, Hey, I'm going to be in Miami. Let's get dinner. So we hung out. We got some some ribeye steak from a, a great steakhouse here in Miami called Fiorito. It's an Argentinian steakhouse. We got some organ meat, some ribeyes. We hung out with some friends. And then I had dinner with him again last night. Uh, so it was cool to actually hang out with the guy in person. He's a super cool dude. You're going to love him. On today's episode, we're going to take a deep dive into his backstory. He had a lot of health symptoms going on. Anxiety, panic attacks, ADHD. He was having a hard time getting out of bed. And those were a lot of symptoms. And he was in a really dark place. And he decided to dedicate his life to studying human optimization. He started reading books. And now this guy's thriving. He's all about the mental six-pack. He's all about taking ownership and responsibility. He's healthy, he's happy, and he's going to share some of the things he learned along the way to optimize his health and his mindset. We'll get into what exactly mental wealth is, some of the principles there. We'll get into his academy. He has an academy for students and an academy for coaches. Controlling your environment. We're going to talk about the subconscious mind, affirmations. How do you deal with self-worth, lack of self-worth? setting goals, the importance of that, and creating deep, fulfilling, connected relationships, which is something that I feel like me and Kayla are developing. And he might even move to Miami. He fell in love with Miami. So maybe we'll get him here soon. 
I can't wait to bring them on. Before I do, I want to get to today's Apple Podcast rating and review of the day. This five-star review is from Lifton Way, titled, Ben Saved My Life. I'm not sure if I have the proper words, but I'll try. I'm a single mom that started to feel extremely off when I, my last baby was born 11 years ago. I went to an incredible number of doctors that brushed me off as the tired new mom. Finally, a thyroid dysfunction was noted, but none of the 12 endocrinologists I went to could properly diagnose or read my labs. Therefore, all of them wanted me to just simply take thyroid. I fought for 11 years until finally I had nodules the size of a grapefruit. A thyroidectomy, of course, exacerbated my issues. After listening to the advice of Ben and his incredible guests, I am on my way to a full recovery of my life. I thank you. My children, thank you. I'm so grateful for your work. Wow. Um, I'm so proud of you for exploring what true health actually is. And unfortunately, most conventional doctors are just going to mask the symptoms. For example, you were fighting them for years and visited 12 endocrinologists. That's crazy. I'm so glad you're recovering your life and you're getting to the upstream causes. That's what we're about here at the Keto Camp. We're all about upstream causes. So cheers to you with continued healing. I'm so happy for you. I'm so proud of you. And thank you. I'm grateful for you as well. If you have not left the Keto Camp podcast, a rating or a review yet on whatever platform you're listening from, please take the time to do so right now. Simply pause the episode and leave that rating and review. Maybe I'll read your review on the next episode as well. Okay, without further ado, let's get right into the conversation with Kaylor. Kaylor is not your average mental health coach. He is bold and honest, and he has a powerful voice in the mental health space with a growing following and a hard-hitting, buzzworthy podcast called The Mental Wealth Podcast, which is going to be renamed soon, so stay tuned for that. The Mental Wealth Podcast currently trends within the top 15 mental health podcasts in Canada and the top 1% most popular podcasts globally. You're going to hear a story, and we're going to deep dive into helping you achieve this mental six-pack. Here's Kaylor Betts. Kaylor, welcome to the Keto Camp Podcast, brother. Ben, I'm pumped, brother. Thanks for having me. Let's do this. Let's jam. <laughs> Let's jam. Your story is incredibly inspiring. I didn't understand or really know much of your story until I really started preparing for this conversation. And you actually have a great YouTube video on your YouTube channel. It's about seven minutes long. Really well done. Uh, the, the videographer who did that did a really great job in seven minutes kind of giving the audience your backstory in a seven-minute video. And I want you to share your story. But let me ask you this question as you get into your story. You had a lot of symptoms. You were dealing with a lot growing up. Were those symptoms that you were dealing with a medication deficiency? That's a great question. This is a, a good place to kick it off. You know, at first I thought it was you know, because what I did, I mean, to obviously step back and talk a little bit about what happened initially is I like to say I was in a battle with my mind. I was dealing with a lot of childhood wounds, which we can certainly get into and um, some deep internal stuff in my subconscious that just was um, causing me to have those internal conflicts that really didn't allow me to just be able to relax. My nervous system was always on high alert. And I didn't know why. I mean, I, I wasn't taught in school what anxiety was or depression or anything like that. We didn't talk about mental health. 
And it really caused me to really struggle to show up in this world. And I thought I was, you know, unique. It was this weird feeling because I was unique. I thought I was unique. And I thought that, yeah, maybe I was the only one, but I was also too ashamed to really tell anyone because, you know, obviously as a, a man, we're also conditioned to just kind of tough it up, stuff it under the rug, right? So that really was most of my upbringing up until like even into my 20s, right? And it was really difficult. And it got to a point where, you know, then you get into your adulthood, you get a little more free to do things and live life the way you want to live. So I developed all these unhealthy coping mechanisms, you know, whether it was like, you know, drug, sex and rock and roll, essentially. And, you know, that provided temporary relief. But as we know, that delays anxiety and then amplifies it, right? So that didn't really help. That wasn't the solution. And eventually it got to a point where I was uh, getting this to manifest as physical symptoms as well too. I had chronic ocular migraines. I had eczema and psoriasis. I had what I thought at the time was chronic fatigue. I had some digestive issues um, and I was getting sick all the time. I got these big tonsils and I would get tonsillitis all the time. I was on antibiotics probably two or three times a year for most years of my life up until, you know, quite a few years ago, but even into my 20s. And I got to a point where, you know, it was starting to really, really become hard to just live any kind of normal life, even if I was stuffing it under the rug. And, you know, even if I was, you know, using coping mechanisms, it just perpetually got worse and worse. So I went to the system that we rely on to help us, the Western Clinical uh, Establishment. And I went to the professionals, right? And I went to a doctor and I did some talk therapy. And really the only solution that they had, like truly, before asking me if my circadian rhythm was regulated, before asking me uh, about my, or checking my biological markers to see uh, nutrient levels, before checking my fasting insulin or my inflammatory markers, the list goes on, before asking me about how many processed foods I'm eating, right? Before asking all of those things, I really was just prescribed, you know, kind of it all, you know, whether it was SSRIs, benzodiazepines, ADHD medication, like I was pretty much prescribed it all. I didn't take all of it because at that time I was prescribed those things. I was just starting get starting to get into the alternative health space or get at least interested in that space. And really, I got to give a, a shout out to Tony Robbins, my boy. Um, a man who had a huge impact on my life. I found, funny enough, a Tony Robbins CD. I think it was Awaken the Giant Within, uh, maybe Unlimited Power. I can't, I can't remember which one it, it really was, but I threw it on and I listened. And he was the first person that made me understand that my conditional and external reality and circumstances, as well as my internal physiological state, was almost completely and entirely in my control. And it was kind of at that point, not to sound, you know, not to make this sound too romantic, because it, it wasn't really just this, you know, awakening moment, but it was really at that time that I recognized, like, I got to take a different approach here. I got to take this into my own hands. And then I went on an obsessive journey that made me 
really dive into human optimization and how to, you know, take a different route outside of the Western clinical establishment to, to thrive. And I went on that journey and, you know, it, it now leading back to your initial question, it made me realize that no, I did not have a pharmaceutical or medicine deficiency or a drug deficiency, right? My diet and lifestyle and the environment in which I was living in was toxic and it didn't align with what would produce my highest potential or quality of life. So I just had to make changes. And as I'm sure we'll get into it, it wasn't anything too crazy, right? And then I healed a lot of my own wounds. I, I grew and I look, I don't have it all figured out now, Ben, but I sit in front of you here today and most days I am absolutely thriving. I am a completely different person. In fact, I've just cleared all the bullshit and now I'm more of my truest authentic self than I've ever been in my entire life. And I feel this level of liberation that I just never thought I would have. And like I said, most days I'm thriving. I still have you know a little ways to go to, to really get to that next level. But um, I've healed a lot of those things and now I'm helping others do the same. I love the story. And it's so relatable to so many people who go down that sick care path. You had a lot of symptoms. And what I would love for my audience to really get, and I think you would agree with me, unless you tell me otherwise, those symptoms were all gifts from your innate intelligence showing you, hey, you know, your sleeping pattern is off. I'm going to show you a symptom to correct things. I'm going to show you a check engine light, four check engine lights. All right, Kaler's not paying attention. I'm going to show you some more check engine lights until I wake you up. So we we view, we have been brainwashed to believe those symptoms are evil. Diagnosis and diseases are evil when they're a beautiful gift from the human body. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Look, I went from breakdown to breakthrough. And there's two kinds of people in this world, Ben. The first are people who see the difficulty in every opportunity or the difficulties in the difficulties, right? And then there's people who see the opportunities in the difficulties, right? And for me, what Tony Robbins did, what, you know, me getting into that, you know, quote unquote, personal growth space did for me is all it did. And this is to this day, when I work with people on mindset, the greatest thing that I can offer them is just a shift in perspective. That's it. And what it did for me is it shifted my perspective to I'm a victim. I'm not in control of my circumstances, whether internal or external. And I basically just have to put one foot in front of the other and just survive, right? Whereas this perspective shift then led me to understand that these are actually the greatest gifts that I have received, even though I don't know why necessarily right now, even though it doesn't feel great right now. If I just shift my perspective and there are a ton of opportunities in this difficulty, and not only that, but there's such a necessity in order to grow and get to that next level and achieve your highest potential. Like they are the thing, right? And we can throw out all the analogies in the world, right? Like diamonds, diamonds don't form or get created unless there's a lot of pressure involved and stress, right? It's breakdown to breakthrough. So for me, it just gave me, you know, this evidence of really where my freedom was lying and where my freedom lied was, uh, was laying was on the other side of those little tests that the universe was giving me. So I kind of switched my attitude to like, all right, what the f else do you have? Because 
Let's, let's go, right? And then you overcome those by facing a lot of, because you have to face your fears to overcome those adversities, those tests that the universe give you. And on the other side of that is, like I said, a lot of liberation, a lot of resilience and strength, but also a lot of knowledge and confidence. So I started to build my self-confidence. I started to hold myself in a higher regard in terms of my self-identity in my subconscious because we all have a self-concept, an idea of who we believe ourselves to be. And it was very low, obviously, because all the evidence in the external world was giving me uh, was that I wasn't adequate. But then I went out and I started to like face my fears, overcome these challenges, get a little better. And all of a sudden, I would just get case study after case study after case study that gave me the evidence that like, oh, I'm pretty inadequate. I can do this. And it just slowly started to build and build and build. And then sooner or later, guess what? Instead of being addicted to the, the sex, drugs, and rock and roll, I got addicted to healing and growth. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, we share similar stories. You said something that I want to highlight. You, you said a shift in perspective could change everything. And that's, that comes from within, right? It's it's the mental game. You talk about that. And it reminds me of uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer. He used to always say, when you squeeze an orange, what comes out is orange juice, obviously, because that's what's inside. So for you, when life was squeezing you, what came out in the beginning was what your thoughts, your perspective, which were you know stinking, thinking, negative thoughts. Why is this happening to me? But when you change your perspective, what came out was, where's the opportunity here? But it started from within. It's what happens when you squeeze something that comes out and for you it was that perspective change that changed everything yeah like the way i look at it is and i don't really hold any punches with talking about this because i think sometimes we have to be bold in telling people uh the truth Uh, there's a great quote that i've been saying a lot lately that says that in which can be destroyed by the truth should be (laughs) so i very much just prioritize telling people the way it is and and i'm just going to say it right now through and through are there victims out there of circumstance yeah i mean there look everyone has a certain level of privilege in this world right we all have a certain degree even if you're really struggling there's always going to be someone who has less than you who has less you know, privileged circumstances than you. And then there's always going to be someone who has more, right? I think that for me, I'm really trying to get the message out there that it's like, okay, maybe you're a victim of some sort of circumstance. Maybe not everything was my fault that I experienced, right? Some things were outside of my control. But I think that we have to ask ourselves, of what use is it to sit around and dwell on the fact that it's not, you know, you're a victim of this circumstance. So like, maybe not everything is, maybe not everything that's happened to you or is happening to you is your responsibility. I think most things are for most people, not everyone, but for most people, I think we need to ask ourselves, okay, if not everything is your responsibility that's happening to you or has happened to you, that's negative of what use is it? to focus on that and to live as though you're always talking about how oh I'm a victim of circumstance it's like the only responsibility you have to focus on is that you need to move on from that and you need to learn from that and you need to grow from that it is your responsibility to respond to that in the right way right so we want to not stay in that victim mentality and i think that that's really what kills a lot of people's dreams is you know, I think our psychology is really primed, Ben, to 
actually justify with logic why we're not accomplishing our dreams rather than actually going out and stepping into the real world and doing the things that it takes and taking the responsibility that it takes to get there because those things are really scary. So we would rather point our finger and say, oh, well, it's because of this person, place and thing that I'm not where I should be rather than taking ownership and saying, I actually am the vessel to get to where I really, truly want to be, right? Yeah, you're so right. And that's what it is. It's exactly that. It's it's fear. Um, and it's not that successful people don't have those fears. To your point, they face the fear and they do it anyways. They they grow, they expand, and they get new fears. <laughs> and they keep going. And uh, speaking of Tony Robbins, he he did say on the victim part, there are really no such thing as a, there's not a, really a victim out there. It's just a choice, right? And it's a choice that you make. You're a volunteer, I think you said, not a victim. And when we go through our life day to day, there's going to be these challenges and there's going to also be these opportunities and it's all perspective. It's like you, you get to choose. But on your journey, throughout your journey, you became obsessed with reading books and studying human optimization. And you use the word, you became obsessed. And I really love that word, obsessed and obsession. But I would venture to guess if I went down the street here in South Beach, where I live, and asked 100 people on Ocean Drive, what do you think of the word obsession? 90 out of 100 would say, that's bad. You shouldn't be obsessed with anything. So what is your definition or viewpoint on that word obsession? It's actually kind of eerie that you're bringing this up because I have been so bullish on obsession lately. I've been using that word. I've been telling my team about obsession. I've been going on my group calls in my academies and I've been telling guys, you got to be obsessed. I really want to go down this path. So thank you for bringing it up. And I do just want to touch on, by the way, when you're talking about the feeling, the fear and doing it anyways, that's called courage. So here's a big, big shift in perspective. It's understanding that you don't need the fear to go away. Okay. In order to begin the stages, the early stages of changing your life and changing the trajectory of your life and healing and growth. You need to be able to build up enough courage to feel the fear and face it anyways. And what I always recommend is like, look for these low risk opportunities, right? If you're really afraid of stepping into something, which I get, right? So let's desensitize ourselves by looking for those low risk opportunities first. And like, that's even what they do in therapy. It's called exposure therapy, right? If someone has a fear of elevators, they're not going to just throw them into the fire or the deep end. They're going to the first day. It's like, we're just going to walk by elevators, right? Okay, this the next session, we're actually going to step in one and then we're going to step out, right? And then the next session where I'm going to come in with you and we're going to go up one floor, right? That's exposure therapy. That's desensitization. You don't need the fear to go away. And you don't, fake it till you make it. You face it till you make it. You don't wait for confidence to show up. You show up until you're confident and until the fear is desensitized. So I just wanted to touch on that because it was a really, really important part of my journey. Now, obsession. Oh, you know, I got to give a shout out to Grant Cardone. Be obsessed or be average, you know? Such a, such a great book, dude. I've, li I've listened book. to that book 31 times, bro. <laughs> <laughs> 31. So talk about if, obsessed. If you would have said yeah. 30, I would have been like, he's bullshit. He's it. But 31 <laughs> is so specific. I actually believe you. <laughs> it's the truth. <laughs> it is an incredible book. I implore anyone who is listening right now to, to listen to that book. You're right. The audiobook is the best because Grant reads it and it will challenge 
most likely your worldview. It will probably trigger you and it will, yeah, challenge some deep seated beliefs that you've held for a lot of your life. But the reason why I love the term obsession is because one of the things I loved to do on my initial journey of I got obsessed with studying people who were thriving and living their highest potential and quality of life. And what I love to look at is like, what are the commonalities between all of them? Like what, when I look at all of the successful people I know, or I listen to, or my mentors, what do they all have in common? Because that is obviously a great hint of like what I need to put my focus and attention into. And one of the commonalities is they are all obsessed, Okay. They're absolutely all obsessed with their mission, right? Their North Star, what they were, what they feel they were put on this earth to do, right? They jump out of bed in the morning to get in alignment with that North Star. And it's not always easy. In fact, the North Star is often the things that bring you the most challenges. They're incredibly necessary. It's like climbing Mount Everest, right? People pay 40 whatever thousand dollars to climb Mount Everest and it will knock you down. It will challenge every single aspect of your psychology and your physiology and yet people train to do it people pay to do it why because life isn't always about comfortability uh, life isn't always about being happy life is primarily and maybe the most noble pursuit is meaning and fulfillment and accomplishing something right so you got to be obsessed and one of the biggest things that i realized on my journey ben was that Oh, one of the reasons why I'm struggling, one of the reasons why I'm chronically fatigued. And for those listening, I'm, you know, putting up the quotations because I don't even believe that's even a real thing. I didn't have something that lit my soul on fire. I wasn't obsessed with anything. So no shit. I went out and did sex, drugs, and rock and roll. No wonder I was depressed and had no energy. But I got obsessed with a mission. And again, I just got obsessed with a different kind of drug, right? And some people won't like it described that way, but... So you said, you said, I want to clarify, you said something, I want to clarify what you said. You said you got obsessed with a different drug, but then you said you weren't obsessed before. So what is it? Were you just obsessed with the wrong things and you transferred that energy? Was that really what happened? Yeah, thanks. I sometimes get ahead of myself. So that that's a really good thing to point out. Look, I was addicted to... I wasn't obsessed with a healthy mission. I wasn't obsessed with a mission that brings me closer to my highest quality of life and my greatest good. I was obsessed and addicted to things that distracted me and pulled me further away from that. Okay. Clear. Yep. I was, and even more specifically, Ben, because this is so important, I was addicted and obsessed to things that actually gave me my highest quality of life in the micro. Okay. This is really important. When I would do a bump of cocaine or I would drink a few, you know, even one alcoholic drink on a night where I was about to go party, or if I were to watch porn or whatever it was that I was choosing that day to use as my coping mechanism in the micro, it was my highest quality of life. It lights up the pleasure centers of your brain and you feel pretty damn good. But again, macro sustainable happiness and joy and meaning and fulfillment in the negatives with that stuff. So I literally switched it to now I was obsessed with things that actually made me feel temporarily worse. Sometimes you have to get worse to get better. Temporarily worse in the micro 
but had a delayed return. And this is why delayed gratification is something that I am obsessed with, right? So I just switched around. It was like, oh, do the more difficult things and get the return later. And dopamine is actually an anticipatory hormone. So it, I actually kind of leveraged that. And I was like, I'm going to do the things that actually have a, first off, a, a less of a high fast release of dopamine and are a little bit more sustainable and, and a little more level. And I leveraged anticipating the return and just like getting obsessed with feeling really good. Now, to go back to the obsession thing, it was interesting. I have to share this quick, profound story. I was on a group call recently and I was talking about to my clients about how important obsession is and that it's a commonality between all of... Um, and it, actually, this is my business academy. I help coaches become coaches and uh, uh, build uh, their online businesses like I have. Mental Wealth Academy? The Mental Wealth Coaching Academy. We have Got the it. Mental Wealth Academy, which is more of our life coaching side of things, which we help people achieve their highest quality of life. Then we have the Mental Wealth Coaching Academy because people heal their wounds in the Mental Wealth Academy. And then sometimes they're like, I hate my job. I want to do what you do, Kayla. So we help some people become coaches. And I was talking about being obsessed. And this one girl in my academy asked this really great question. She said, Okay, Kayla, I get it. Like, I'm on board, you know, be obsessed. But here's the thing I think I'm too obsessed. I think that I'm actually so obsessed with my business and thinking about all this that it's starting to infringe on my relationships. And I'm starting to, you know, my nervous system is taxed. I'm overworking this, that, and the other thing. And here was my response I said, this is so incredibly important because most people, just like you said, Ben, in society will tell you that, oh, you need to become less obsessed then. You need to slow down. You need more work-life balance, right? Now, here was my response is I said, do not think for one second that you need to get rid of the obsession. In fact, the, it's, it's still the obsession that is going to propel you onto the path towards your greatest good and your highest quality of life. It is the thing that's going to help you continue to do what you need to do for healing and growth so that you can have the energy and the space to show up to your business and your mission is going to light your soul on fire and fulfill you in ways that you couldn't get otherwise. Like, Do not take away the obsession. We just need to learn how to manage and control it a little more. right? So it reminds me of Jordan Peterson when he talks about when you raise a boy, you create a monster right? because you need to create a monster. right? You know, it, We need men that could f*** it up if they needed to, but they know how to manage and control it, right? So it's like create a monster and then teach them how to manage and control it. It is still the gift that she is obsessed. We just have to work on how to manage and control that because it infringed on everything in my life as well too. My life got way out of balance and everything because I became so obsessed with it and addicted. But if I would have took away the obsession, I would have went back to Kaler 1.0. So what I did was I learned how to live with that obsession, but also learn how to set parameters, set boundaries, set rules, and be more intentional and conscious about my approach. Hey, when was the last time you bit into a juicy burger or a perfectly cooked steak and thought to yourself, this is the best thing I've ever tasted? If it's been a while, it's probably because most meat products are conventionally raised, which not only affects the flavor profile, but significantly diminishes the beneficial nutrients and minerals. And believe it or not, 
even products that are labeled as grass-fed or ethically raised to make you think they're high quality, are often finished on grain or in factory farms, which is why I am so excited to share something with you today that will not only help you avoid the hormones, antibiotics, and pesticide residues that diminish the taste of conventionally raised meat, but could also save you nearly $1,000 over the next year on your grocery bill. And the best part? This may be the best tasting thing you've had in a long time. So what the heck am I talking about? I'm talking about Wild Pastures Meat Delivery. They provide the highest quality meats from small, regenerative, family-run farms here in the United States that prioritize sustainability and animal welfare. Their beef is 100% grass-fed. Their pork and poultry are pasture-raised, something you won't find anywhere in the grocery store, resulting in meats that are not only healthier for you, but also better for the environment. One of the reasons why me and my fiance Natasia loves wild pastures is that we can opt out out of supporting harmful conventional farming practices and instead support small family-run farms without spending a fortune. And the convenience doesn't stop there. They offer delivery straight to your door so you can enjoy delicious, high-quality meats without even leaving your house. No matter where you are in the lower 48 states, Wild Pastures has got you covered. Not only is this the most convenient way to get your meat products, but wild pasture meats are better for you nutritionally and they're higher in the total nutrients, phytonutrients, antioxidants, key fatty acids, vitamins, minerals, proteins, and amino acids. And today, for keto campers, for a limited time, you can get 20% off every box plus free shipping for life and $15 off your first box. This is a crazy deal, and I hope you take advantage of it. So make the switch to Wild Pastures today and save nearly $1,000 on your grocery bill while feeling healthier and enjoying the best tasting meats of your life. All you need to do is go to the link in the podcast notes down below. Everything is already applied. All you got to do is click that link, customize your order, and you'll have some delicious, healthy tasting meats very soon. Head to the podcast notes down below, click the link, enjoy your wild pastures. Okay, let's get right back to this episode. I always hear people say, I'm just not disciplined. And I've had this conversation with my fiance recently. She's like, people are just not disciplined. I'm like, everybody's disciplined. They're just disciplined in the wrong areas sometimes. They're disciplined to watch porn every night. They're disciplined to play video games every night. They're disciplined with their addictions. Just a matter of transferring that energy. What a superpower. If you have the ability to be addicted to something, what a gift, you know, what a blessing. How can you transfer that energy, which is exactly what you just said. But but here's the the challenge for these individuals. They have to clearly clearly define those goals, the their highest values, and a lot of people they're just so uncertain about that. And it reminds me of a fantastic quote. I'm going to share it with you. I'm not sure if you've heard this quote before, but it's my favorite. From Robert Heinlein, he said, in the absence of clearly defined goals, we become strangely loyal to performing daily trivia until ultimately we become enslaved by it. What do you think of that quote? That hits me in the feels, man. That is a really, really good quote. Look, to piggyback on that and to maybe just say it in a little bit of a different way, I think that a few things come up. So number one, that to me is mostly about 
being driven, which we could also say is, you know, uh, parallel to being obsessed. So I don't actually think that someone needs to have a ton of willpower or, I mean, obviously we know from research, I think most people have heard by now that willpower fatigues just like a muscle. We've, we've found that to be the case. That's why calorie counting doesn't work, everybody. does not work. Yeah, so willpower doesn't work. Motivation doesn't work either because motivation to me is defined as you feel like doing it. Well, if you're going to only do the things you need to do, you're supposed to do to contribute to your highest quality of life and highest potential, when you feel like doing them, you're in trouble because like I still to this day barely feel like doing most of the things I have to do. But I've just, again, a little perspective shift. I know that I don't need to feel like doing something in order to do it. And motivation actually follows action more often than it precedes it, right? So I know that if I do this, I get the reward. I don't need to feel like doing it in the beginning. So therefore, you don't need to be motivated. You don't need to have willpower. Discipline, absolutely, I think you do need to have it. We can talk about maybe the differences there. But to me, it's about drive. So you don't need to be motivated to do it. You don't need to have any of those things. You need to have drive. And what is drive? Drive comes from why you're doing something. And quite, I think, simply, and I don't want to take away from how complex and how nuanced addiction is. I mean, there are deep-seated wounds and battles internally that people are dealing with that drive them to be addicted. However, if I may, I'm going to actually put it just theoretically as pretty simple. You need to find something that you are so driven and obsessed by, right? And we can unpack that if you want, but you need to find basically that that is a stronger force than your desire to utilize unhealthy coping mechanisms that light up the pleasure centers of your brain and temporarily you know, calm your nervous system down due to these deep internal conflicts that you have. You just need to find that mission that is a stronger force. And I know I'm oversimplifying it, but I think in theory, that's essentially what we need to do. Yeah, and I, I love that distinction between motivation and um, being driven. But I, w- I would even, because you use the word mission as well. So I would even say that it's more of a calling than it is being driven, right? It's it's a goal you have fallen in love with. You feel like you're here on planet Earth to help as many people as possible because you went through it yourself. And then that's just another level. Then the motivation really is kind of a symptom that you're not aligned with your calling. And then you develop inspiration, which is very different than motivation. Inspiration is from within. It's from the calling. It's it's pulling you towards that versus motivation. To your point, I'll do it when I feel good. I'll do it because I watched a video and I'm motivated, but it only lasts for a day. So can you explain what you think the difference is between inspiration and motivation? Yeah, I think that you're bang on. So I think inspiration is very emotional, right? So like when it comes to when people ask me like, well, I don't know what my mission is, Kaylor, or I don't know what my purpose is or anything. First off, I don't think you find it. I think you create it. But I think that and you build it. But I think that it's the recognition of why you were put on this earth, right? And I think that once you recognize, oh, I was put on this earth, like I'll use myself as an example. And I know you really relate to this. This is pretty much your story as well too, Ben, if not exact. I suffered for so many years. And when I turned my life around, 
that was such a highly emotional, like it was so highly negatively emotional for so many years. There's so much pain and suffering. And then it was that like slingshot to the other side where now all of a sudden I feel liberated. Like it was so strong emotionally, just in such a positive way that once I got to that place, I actually felt like it was a responsibility rather than like, oh, this is a mission that I'm going to get on. It was like, I feel like it's a responsibility. I feel like I have this like rare cure for this rare disease, which is kind of like what it is that the establishment isn't really helping too many people overcome. So I almost felt this draw, like I have a responsibility to now go out and help others do the same. And that was incredibly inspiring to me because it was so emotional, right? Whereas motivation is like, do you feel like doing it, right? For me, I think inspiration is literally what is behind the drive. If if what you're driven to do doesn't have this emotion invoking kind of foundation to it, or maybe we could put it like this, the stronger the emotions are behind what you're driven by or what you're obsessed by or what you're doing, the more in which you're going to be obsessed with the pursuit of executing it, right? And I think, again, you find that, then for me, it's not that I don't still to this day, Ben, and I know some people are different. I know some people who are recovering alcoholics and drug addicts and stuff, they say that they never get cravings. I can't say the same thing. Like I genuinely sometimes feel like going on a bender on a weekend, you know, and some people might say, oh, well, you still have some, you know, wounds inside evidently, Kayla. And it's like, well, probably, I think we all do. But sometimes I've just had a, a tough week and it's just, and it's like, it would be a lot easier to just check out and go party with some friends and, and sex, drugs and rock and roll. But what keeps me from not doing it is guess what the stronger force is? My mission my inspiration and the things that I'm driven by. Yeah, it's beautiful. Oh, that that that's the key, you know, finding out what that is and f- for both Kayla and my and myself it came from a void. It came from actually going through rock bottom and using that as a, a springboard to launch into this. And so if somebody's watching and listening and you're going through hell right now, you're going through your rock bottom that could be a beautiful thing when you get out of it. The opposite side of rock bottom is so beautiful because it's so much potential up. You could go as far as you want up. For me personally, and I want to know if it's the same for you and if this is what you teach your students, I live by my calendar. My calendar is lined up with my highest values, my, you know, my mission, my calling, my whatever you want to call it. <clears throat> and when my calendar is empty, and I know Grant Cardone talks about this. He says blank space in the calendar is a devil's playground. And I, I totally could relate to that. Like if my calendar is empty, I'm thinking about other things sometimes. And I might be like, I don't know, I'm not going to go back to my old ways. But I know that when my calendar is pulling me towards my calling and my goals, like I am happy, I am productive, I am good. Are you the same way? And do you teach lining up your calendar with your highest values? Yeah. So this is, oh man, you're bringing up all the the, the right topics here that are are firing me up. I do believe that I at least look everyone's a little bit different uh you know I I like to assess I don't like to really ever speak in absolutes when it comes to like what will serve someone or what will be useful to them and I know that's not what you're doing Ben but I I just want to make it clear like when I assess someone's situation 
it's more from like, hey, let's try this. But I, you know, look, I'm experienced enough to know that everyone's got different psychology, biology. Everyone's got different circumstances, personalities, wounding, and and conditioning. So you, you know, I think for most people who have struggled with addictions or things, you know, unhealthy coping mechanisms, which is almost all of our clients, if not all, uh, most of our clients, if not all, I think we do have to be really careful about the uh, empty slots in the schedule. However, I think the answer is somewhere not in the middle, but somewhere not on the extreme. So I don't think that time blocking every single minute of every day in doing something and hustling and getting things accomplished is ever really going to serve anyone. So yes, I think that for me, being busy is actually good. I don't like to say busy. I like to say well-scheduled. And you know, it's really just I'm in alignment with getting towards the mission that I'm accomplishing. But I think that I also believe it's important, particularly for someone like myself and someone like you, you can let me know if you feel the same, to have intentional time to you know, there's this really good German proverb that I'll just paraphrase and it's something along the lines of like all man's problems stem from his inability to sit in a room alone with nothing but his thoughts. I think if we don't have the ability to be to sit around and be bored sometimes and sit with what is going on internally, then we can get sometimes we can succumb to just distracting ourselves from things that we're actually denying that actually are some unmet needs that we need to give some attention to. So what I really mean to kind of summarize all that is, yes, I keep very well scheduled. I'm very on the go all day long because that fires me up. However, I'm intentional about, I also meditate for 20 or 40 minutes a day because I do transcendental meditation. I do go on a walk most days that I don't listen to a podcast or anything like that. Like I need, and I think it's important that we have some time to also be with ourselves. But notice the difference. The difference is you're intentional about that. So I'm either going on a walk or I'm meditating. Like I'm still doing something rather than clearing my schedule and sitting around on the couch because that's where I can get in trouble. Yeah, same. Yeah, exactly. And I love the routines with the meditation and the walking. I don't do much meditation, uh, like transcendental, but I'll do walking multiple times a day, go to my rooftop, spend time with my fiance at the beach. I do think that is important as well. And you know, speaking of Grant Cardone, I've learned so much from Grant, and there's a lot of things that I really love and appreciate about Grant Cardone. And there's a lot of things that I don't agree with Grant Cardone as well, right? So I know he triggers a lot of people, but you could extract some really great things from Grant Cardone uh, and his wife, Elena Cardone, who's fantastic. She, she's terrific. Hey, Keto Camper. What if there was an easy way to help detoxify your body, ease stress, unwind, and hey, even burn more calories? What I'm talking about is sauna usage. Now, there's a lot of studies that show the benefits of using a sauna, and it could be kind of complicated because they're expensive, and typically you have to go to a facility to use a sauna. What I love about my sauna is that it's a blanket that I use at the comfort of my own home. I use the one from Bond Charge. And sauna blankets work by raising your heart rate to that of physical exercise so you burn calories while you're relaxing. And you could burn up to 600 calories in one session. Sweating also helps flush out toxins like heavy metals from your body. And elevating your heart rate while relaxing releases endorphins, 
which can leave you feeling euphoric. I feel like I just got a 60-minute massage when I get out of this thing. It works by using infrared light, which heats the body directly rather than the air around you like a traditional sauna. This means you get the same benefits at a lower heat. You also don't need to have your head in the heat like a traditional sauna. It's very easy to use. You can enjoy a session of 30 to 45 minutes while relaxing, reading, watching TV, or meditating. It's easy to clean. It's low EMF, especially compared to other brands out there. Simple and easy to get set up. And even more important, you, Keto Camper, are offered a nice coupon code for Bond Charges products, including their infrared sauna blanket. So head over to bondcharge.com slash ketocamp and use the coupon code ketocamp at checkout to get 15% off your order. We'll drop that link down below along with the coupon code in the podcast notes. Okay, let's get right back to this episode. Question on self-worth. I think that's another issue and I wanted to hear how you coach your students. Sometimes people don't feel worthy. I know that for many years I didn't and sometimes I still don't. It comes now and there. But how do you... What, what's the cause or causes of a lack of a self-worth? I know it's a lot of things. And then how do you overcome that and build that self-worth? Yeah, so again, going back to the subconscious mind, within the subconscious mind are all of these conditioned beliefs. I also like to put them as stories we tell ourselves, the narratives that are going on in our psychology all day long. Within our subconscious, there's all of these beliefs about how the world works and who we are as a person. Okay. And then what that essentially creates is like this code that we then run off of on autopilot. That's our subconscious. And it's 90 to 95% of our thoughts, actions, ideas, and emotions. So that's like the code that we run off of. Now, everyone has a self-concept and a self-identity. Again, it's who you believe yourself to be. Now, where does that come from? Well, when we're a kid, we kind of have a clean slate in that regard. We don't know who the hell we are. So what we do is we look to our environment and our experiences to give us evidence to then allow us to formulate that belief about who we are as a person. And with all due respect to my parents, like I like truly I love my parents, but you know, no parent is perfect and everyone goes through trauma. I mean, birth is a trauma, right? Like, you know, no one had a perfect childhood and I for numerous reasons that I won't get into, I did develop some beliefs about who I was as a person that I wasn't fully adequate, okay? That I, I wasn't super worthy of going out and accomplishing in this world what uh, essentially you would consider to be quote unquote successful, you know, all the way up into I didn't actually graduate from high school. So the system that we use to measure success in this society told me that I was a failure because I couldn't memorize that I wasn't interested in and write a test and do well on it, right? So like, of course, I'm going to have this internal belief that I'm not intelligent. I didn't do good in school. And that's the feedback that I got. So that becomes this subconscious internal beliefs, this belief. And then what's really interesting about this is so then I had these feelings of inadequacy. And by the way, Ben, I believe this to be an epidemic. I think we live in a world where like we have an epidemic of people who do not feel very worthy. They don't feel adequate and enough. And here's why that's really important is because our psychology is then primed to validate our internal beliefs in the external world. I'll say that again. Our psychology, our subconscious mind is, is primed to validate our internal beliefs in the external world. So what, regardless of whether they're 
a positive belief or one that will serve you or if it's sabotaging and it's a disservice, right? This is part of the reason why self-sabotage is so you know, strong in our society and we see it everywhere. So if you don't really think too much of yourself, if you don't hold yourself in a high regard, well, you will actually go out when you're in your subconscious and you will put people, places, and things in place that prove that internal belief because, you know, it's, it's what better way to stay safe and survive and comfortable than to just continue doing what we've always known to be true, right? This is why lottery winners, 70% of them go broke or bankrupt after five years because they don't see themselves. They don't believe themselves to be multimillionaires. They're 40, 50, $60,000 a year earners. And then they all of a sudden get thrown into all this money. It doesn't match that deep internal belief of who they think they are. There's this identity crisis. Now, all of a sudden, they have all this responsibility. They have to change their identity. They have to you know, cater to all the people that are treating them differently. It's a whole new world that is actually scary. So they throw it away because, again, they sabotage it. They throw away because they want to go back to what they're actually comfortable with because it may not make me happy but at least I know what I'm going to get, right? That's the comfort zone that we live in. So when you ask about self-worth, your next question might be, okay, I get it, Kaylor. We have an epidemic of people who don't believe they're worthy or adequate. Our psychology is primed to confirm our internal beliefs in the external world. So then how do we build self-worth? Well, that is a complex thing, but I will tell you, in theory, the, the simple way of executing building self-worth. And it's to recognize that you have to wake up first and foremost and become conscious of that unconscious conditioned pattern and narrative of like, I'm not worthy. I'm not enough. I'm not adequate. I don't matter. Right. You have to wake up to that and become conscious because you're going to have to interrupt that program. You're going to have to literally observe yourself when you want to sabotage and when you want to do something because you don't feel worthy. Right. Like it used to be really hard to ask people for money when I started charging in my business, right? And I recognized that that came from, oh, I don't think I'm worthy of it, right? So I had to recognize that. And guess what? Just to go back to what we talked about before, you don't have to have the fear go away. You got to build up enough courage in that moment to instead of unconsciously reacting to that, you consciously respond by doing it anyways. (laughs) And I asked people for money and reminded myself consciously that I was worthy of it. That was just some lie that my subconscious was telling me. And even when my voice shaked, I still did it. And guess what? I would do it. And then I would get a client who would sign up. And then I would get that little case study. And that little case study, after little case study with repetition, started to build that self-worth inside. Alex Hormozzi has an incredible quote. He says, you don't get confident by shouting affirmations in the mirror. You build confidence by building a stack of undeniable proof that you are who you say you are. That is all I did to build self-worth is I needed to go out and earn the case studies. And after enough repetition, I was like, oh, I can do this. Yeah, that's so good. Now, let me ask you this. Are you against affirmations? Because I see the value in it. And I also agree with Alex Hormozzi. So what are your thoughts on affirmations? So you said this in my episode, I believe. Yeah, you we said can talk there's about only this. Two, two, two ways to reprogram and recondition the subconscious mind, repetition and emotion. So my belief with affirmations is I like to say they're not the worst thing in the world. I don't think they're useless. I think they can be useful, but I think they're only as good as you repeat them 
And maybe most importantly, they're as good as the emotional state that they trigger within you. So I look at affirmations as cool. If they trigger the emotional state and they make you live in that energetic state that you're trying to attract and to condition within yourself and it's tied to the beliefs that you want, then cool. I think they're useful. Yep. Agree. 100%. The subconscious mind, what a little fickle monster that we could turn. Well, yeah, I think, Ben, I, I think a lot of people are in the mirror and they're just shouting like, oh, you know, love yourself and you're enough and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, but like, okay, we need more than that, right? Like, yes, they're a nice additive to that, but like, go out and do the work. I just don't want people to succumb to, you know, we love quick, cheap, and easy. And I think affirmations for some people are the quick, cheap, and easy way of I'm doing something, look. But in actuality, it's like, yes, keep doing that, but we need more. 100% agree with you. And I think the the law of attraction, um, The Secret, the movie The Secret, fantastic film, great people in there. But I think it might have hurt a lot more people than it did help them because they think it's as simple as doing these affirmations and you're going to attract all these great things in your life. But what I learned from Bob Proctor is that the law of attraction is a secondary law to the law of vibration. And the law of vibration means your thoughts, feelings, and actions. Then you attract through the law of vibration, uh, the law of vibration, excuse me, the law of attraction, when you're actually taking action toward that, changing your vibration. It's not just, you know, writing, I am going to be a millionaire on this day and just sitting there, to your point, Kayla. It's actually doing the work. And then all of that comes together. And then the science part here is that the part of the brain called the reticular activating system now is filtered out to see those opportunities. And now you're like, oh, that's the guy that could help me accomplish this, or that's the woman I'm going to be able to help to achieve that goal. So that that's you know my thoughts on the affirmations and the law of attraction. What do you think of the movie The Secret and what I just shared? Yeah, I would agree with you. I think that it was a great movie that was pretty like it was ahead of its time kind of, well, in a way it was ahead of its time, maybe in the West, not in the East, right? But like for, for our Western society, it was ahead of, the, of our time, right? It was like waking people up to people were like, oh my God, this is, even though these principles have been around forever. So I think it was really positive in that regard. But yeah, I think it in a lot of ways got taken out of context. Like, and I, I don't know that it was the best delivery. I'd have to watch it again because it's been many years. But like, I think in many ways, it maybe missed the boat on like actually, you know, and there's such great books out there that talk about like the quantum field and quantum physics and like how to actually attract things into your life with again, the more so the energetic state and, you know, talking about actual quantum laws. I'm more of the belief of like, you don't manifest quote unquote or attract things into your life by what you think you actually more so attract who you are, right? So it's like, maybe the best example is like, if you want to find a romantic partner, which a lot of single people, including myself, do want to attract that perfect, sorry, not perfect, but that that perfect partner for us, right? That's in alignment with, you know, what we're looking for. And I think that we have to be really careful because as soon as we want, if you look up the definition of want, it's very lack, like energetically, right? It's rooted in lack, right? So it's in the wanting that actually puts you in the energetic state of lack, which in my belief, more so will detract that from your life. Whereas if you get to a point, and this is where it's counterintuitive, 
If we want to attract that person in our life, then we have to be it. And we have to not only be it, but we have to achieve that love and connection and fulfillment and abundance within that we actually think is what the partner is going to give us. We need to achieve that before we actually attract it, attract it. And that's what will attract it into our life. It's very counterintuitive, but it's like, it's very simple. It's like, if you want that energy, put it out into the world. And I've seen it over and over and over again, Ben, this is literally why me and you are on the call together. I believe it through and through. It's because of the energetic state that we operate from day to day. I mean, it's kind of crazy how if you look at all the things that had to happen for us who are so aligned, obviously, in our thinking and the way in which we show up in this world and our missions, it's kind of crazy. But when you understand that you attract who you are, it, it actually starts to make more sense. Yeah, for sure. And credit to Aaron Smith who connected us. We love you, Aaron. What, so wants is the energetic state for want is lack. What is the energetic state for a need? Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say that there are basic human needs that obviously, you know, we can acknowledge. So like, it's okay to need food. It's also, it, look, here's the thing. I'm actually glad you asked this. I think that the best example I can use with the energetic state of need is, I think it's okay to need, for example, others. Okay. I think we are actually biologically wired to depend on each other. Therefore, I actually think I have a very different opinion on this. I think codependency is, is healthy. I think it's healthy to depend on others. Where I think it's not healthy is hyper codependency. So you can be living your highest quality of life because you have love and connection in your life. And you can even go to a point where you need it. But if you do not have a certain level of connection and love in your life and, and dependency on others to a point where you feel completely empty when you don't have it, right, consistently, well, now that's when we're in lack, right? So it's okay to feel lit up by, you know, maybe the best example is food, right? Like, you know, it's okay to every once in a while eat some, you're, you're a keto guy. I'm assuming that every once in a while you can, Maybe not be, you know, in keto and you can cycle out of it. Yeah, that's the principle behind keto flex. Go in exactly. and out. Yep. Uh, key, uh, cyclical like keto and keto flex. So it's okay to eat some fruit sometimes and like feel that like, but again, if you need it every single day, well, I'm sure you would argue that that's not a state that we want to be in. So I would say that that's really where we want to I think needing things is okay. We're humans. Obviously, we need things. Otherwise, we would just you know sit on a park bench for the rest of our lives and that's not going to work out for anyone. It's okay to need something. I think that when you need it all the time consistently, now it's something that's filling some sort of void and that's what we want to stray away from. Man, this has been great. Um, share your website, share your social media. Uh, you also have your mental wealth podcast. I was blessed to be a guest on your show. It's a fantastic podcast. Everybody go subscribe to it. But where else can the Keto Campers check you out, Kaylor? Yeah, thank you. I mean, Instagram is where I put out a lot of my content. I'm on there every single day uh, at the Kaylor Betts. And that's uh, Taylor with a K. So K-A-Y-L-O-R and then B-E-T-T-S. And yeah, like honestly, I would say, look, if you resonated with what I 
said today. And if you are either uh, just stuck in terms of like you want to get to that next level, but you just you have some blocks and barriers and you resonated with some of the things that I talked about today, or maybe you're in full blown crisis mode or anywhere in between. If you want to inquire about our coaching academies, you can go to buildmentalwealth.co. That's .co. There's a bunch of information. It's free to inquire on whether or not you're a good fit. Uh, And who knows, it might just change everything. Awesome. We're going to put all that down below. I have one last question for you. I'm a big fan of supplementation, the right supplementation, especially those that give you an immediate benefit. And the one that I take every day is the one that uh, I have on my t-shirt, vitamin G, gratitude, gratitude, anti-inflammatory, fat burning, all that good stuff. So what is your daily dose of vitamin G? What are you grateful for right now, Kaylor? I am extremely grateful. The first, I'll just tell you the first thing that came up for me because I wasn't anticipating this question. The first thing that came up for me was I am so grateful for conversations like this. Truly, to live in a world where I often feel like such a black sheep you know, talk about a need. We need some sort of sense of belonging in this world. And as I'm sure you know, I have some unconventional, we have some unconventional ways in which we like to live our lives and achieve our highest potential and quality of life to a point where sometimes it's even scary and it's it's isolating, right? But I just could not be more grateful for conversations like this with people who just see the world in the same way in which I do. But maybe most importantly, because I know we don't see every little thing in the exact same way, is we are able to live in the complexity of what it means to live in a society full of humans in that we're not going to agree on everything. And we each have a tolerance for that. If I were to have said something in this interview, I know that you disagree with, I know that you have a lot of tolerance for that. And even further, which I appreciate even more, is you might even challenge me on that. And I love that as well too, because that's what society needs more of. Oh, so true. In a world that is losing the grip on that, it's so needed. And I'm also grateful for this conversation. You know, I had a whole bunch of um, notes and questions right here on my notes tab, and I, I didn't get to most of it. And you know, that's usually a sign of a really good conversation because we just got really deep and we were going from one thing to the other. So I really enjoyed it. I can't wait to release this. Everybody share this. Go follow Kaylor on his um, Instagram account. We'll put it down below and we'll do round two so I can cover the other stuff, brother. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, Ben, thanks for having me, man. We'll, we'll have you back on the show as well, too. This is so fun. I hope you enjoyed that podcast with Kaylor. He's amazing. His Instagram handle, go follow him. It's so much fun. I love the content he puts out there. He speaks his truth and he is not ashamed of it. His Instagram handle is at the Kaylor Betts. Kaylor with a K. So that is at T-H-E-K-A-Y-L-O-R-B-E-T-T-S. We'll drop that link down below. His website is www.mentalwealth.com podcast.co and we'll drop that down below as well. Please share this with somebody you believe could really extract a lot of golden nuggets from this conversation. Share it on social media. Follow Kaler. Let him know you listen to uh, to him on the podcast. And if you want to watch the video format of today's interview and all Keto Camp podcast interviews is on our YouTube channel with amazing editing and timestamps and detailed notes and high production value, go to youtube.com slash Keto Camp for that. 
please consider leaving the show a rating and review, and I'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own. And this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.